The path that he walked was steady and slow. With patience, he guided our forsaken souls. The truth that's recovered from his body alone, he breathed life into us and awakened our bones. God gave us hope for tomorrow and of heavenly home. And what he asks in return is to surrender your throne and the burden of pardon he would pay on his own. Through metal and fire, splinter and stones, our Lord paid the bounty that we should have owned. Yet he holds out his hands to declare that it is done and he clothes us in white and welcomes us home. The pathway is narrow and the cost is unknown, but the reward is far worth what you think you may know. Will you lay down your life to take on his? Have you chosen to follow? You'll be glad that you did. and I'll introduce him in just a second. Before we do that, uh, let me do this. Uh, two quick things. Um, I was out and about this weekend and found this really cool Broncos jersey, right? And I don't have one, so I thought I'm going to buy that, and I'm, I'm, you know, it's just really unique. I get here, and Dan Lee May goes, that's the most beautiful Raiders jersey I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so I'm taking it back to Sports Authority when we're done. No, I'm just kidding. I, I... Just wanted to shame Dan in front of everybody because he took my joy out of my jersey. Listen, um, one of the most important things we do uh, every weekend is our D-Track. Our D-Track is the way we connect people to each other and to the vision of this church, to what God has for you in community here. It's been responded to wonderfully well. And our heart is we do it every weekend. There are four classes. We'd like everyone in our church to participate in that. doesn't matter if you've been here from day one or if you just started coming in the last couple of weeks. We genuinely want everyone to be a part of that because we want community for everybody. And because of that, it's a priority for us, and there's not much that we'll move it for. But looking at this weekend, the win for us, listen, the win for us is the Broncos. No, the win for us is that the maximum number of people are able to participate. It's not to hold a class for the sake of holding a class. We looked at the schedule and realized how many people tomorrow are going to be faced with the dilemma, what do I do? And I want to go to it, and I don't want to feel bad about it. So here's what we did. We bless you. Have a wonderful time watching the game tomorrow. Enjoy yourselves. I pray that it is a wonderful time for your family. We felt like this month has a fifth weekend in it, and it's a rare thing. We just looked at it felt like what a gift from God, so we're going to move this D-Track from tomorrow to the following weekend on Sunday. Won't skip a beat, but I just want you to know, man, don't. It, it's not one of those things, the holy people show up to church. That's wrong, okay? People that love God every day enjoy football too, <laughs> okay? Have a great time and enjoy it this weekend. Uh, here's what I want to introduce you to. About three years ago, uh, this young man uh, started working at JFC. He works in our missions department with uh, Pastor Jonathan. If you don't know him yet, I hope this will give you more exposure to him. Uh, I love Ethan. He comes from a wonderful, incredible family that's a part of our church. Uh, Ethan is a person that I hope we can hold on to for a lot of years because I think that God has big things planned for him uh, in ministry and uh, just, just here at JFC. But in particular, a few months ago, he and Jonathan Murley uh, were sharing uh, on our missions weekend and I just saw this incredible teaching anointing that's on his life. And I thought to myself, gosh, how do we incorporate that? So we began to work, and I just thought, um, it, it's a value to me 
to have people who have that call in their life get the opportunity to, uh, to speak. Uh, he's very polished. He has spoken a lot. But it's a thrill for me to be able to have him here this weekend and introduce him to you. So do me a favor. Welcome him like you would me. This is Ethan Matat. Okay, that's enough. Thank you, Pastor John. Um, I'm really excited to be here this weekend. Um, welcome to all of you. Welcome to Lakewood, to Castle Rock, to Highlands Ranch. Those of you that are watching in the comfort of your living room right now via the internet, or maybe you're listening to this three months from now at the gym. Um, but actually in that case, then I've probably said something to get myself on YouTube today. So let's hope that does not happen. Um, welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, it's an exciting weekend with all these young faces here. Um, I'm not actually in youth ministry. I am an adult, believe it or not. But um, before I get into the message, I would like to just give a personal shout out to Paul and Naomi, who you saw up in our missions moment. Um, I'm honored to call them friends. They are incredible people. Got to travel with them, see what they're all about. And their ministry in reaching the unreached is, I mean, we talked about it in October. That's, that's our call and they're running after it. So um, I wanna just say, if you're somebody that, that stirred something in you, whether it's supporting them, praying for them, coming to meet them at Meet the Missionary, please do. Um, they're fantastic, they're awesome. And I also wanna give a quick missions update. Um, we talked about the unreached people in the 1040 window a few months ago and how our church is targeting people in the world that have no access to the gospel or very limited access, and we wanna be a part of them coming to know Jesus, and that's happening um, through long-term work that we're partnered with, like what Paul and Naomi are doing. And also, we have teams going to China, to India. I'm taking some guys from here to Nepal this year, and you're welcome to support my mission trip. I can say that while I'm up here. Um, but we are reaching the unreached, and we these short-term trips allow us to develop these long-term partnerships and to boost what God is doing through ministries um, through churches, through organizations overseas. And so I wanted to tell you that so you didn't think we just wanted to sound like we knew what we were talking about um, and not do anything about it, but we are engaging in that and it's exciting. So missions.jfc.org if you wanna keep up with us and you can on your phone right now, um, sign up for our newsletter through the portal. We'll send out a monthly update about stuff that's going on through our missionaries, through our teams. Um, we won't blast your inbox, I promise, but I would love for you to connect with us. I know in a world of a lot of bad news, it's um, encouraging to remember that God is not losing, that the church is spreading, that there's followers of Jesus in those countries that we think, man, is there anybody over there that are preaching the gospel, that the gospel is moving all around the world. So be encouraged by that and plug in with us. Um, and now we'll get to the message. And before I do, I wanna pray. And I say that, you know, you might hear that and think like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do because you're a pastor, you should pray. Um, I wanna pray because I can say a lot of good things today about why you'll be glad you follow Jesus or why you should be glad if you're following Jesus. But those are gonna be words and it's gonna be my story. But I know for you in your life, if you don't follow Jesus to make that decision to follow him or if you want new life in your pursuit of him, it's gonna take you opening up and the spirit of God speaking to you and moving in your life today. It's not gonna be because I'm up here. It's gonna be because you encounter God. And um, so let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity. Lord, I thank you that I can stand up here today and say I'm so glad that I made the decision to follow you. Um, Lord, I pray that you would speak um, to each person that hears this message in their own life, wherever they are. God, that people would hear calls this weekend, that people would find new life um, in following you. Lord, do what I cannot do 
Lord, would you change hearts? Would you move lives? Would you speak in Jesus' name? Amen. So, Youth Takeover Weekend, here's my theory on how this happened. A couple of our pastors probably got together, and they said, what is the most terrifying thing we could do with one weekend at our church? And somebody probably said, well, let's let the youth take over. And then somebody else, probably Dan, said, I will one-up you. I'll raise you. We'll let the youth take over, and we'll let Ethan get on stage for half an hour and see what he does. And so here we find ourselves on Youth Takeover Weekend. Um, and some of you parents that are normally like, this is my one hour of the week to be without teenagers, and you have ruined that. I actually, I want to say there is so much to learn from youth. And I, that probably sounds funny coming from me because I'm a young person, but the passion that I see in the youth at our church, um, I see that and I think, man, where'd that go? You know, do you feel that way sometimes? Sometimes I, I see their fearless just pursuit of Jesus without worrying about all the cares of the world that as adults, as we get more responsibilities, we start to get kind of bound by. These youth, they just freely pursue him. So I'm hoping that they rub off on the rest of us this week and that we catch some of their passion and some of their fire and the fearlessness they have in their pursuit. And it's amazing to see young people um, in this world that are giving everything to follow Jesus in a world that tells them to do anything but that. And God is working through them. But I also want to shout out our youth pastors because youth ministry is not a full-time job. It is a life devotion. So John and Joanna here, Eric and Brooke at Castle Rock, Craig and Leah at Highlands Ranch, Daniel and Holly at Lakewood. Um, a shout out to, for what they do. If you have kids and youth, you probably hug them often, but go give those guys a hug. Um, and it's cool for me too, because when I was a youth, uh, a youth, a junior higher in high school, uh, high schooler, I, I went to church, um, but I wouldn't say that I followed Jesus. So I love seeing and learning from them. Um, it's funny, I mean, if you had told me when I was in high school, hey, someday you're gonna be up on a stage telling people they'll be glad that they would follow Jesus, I would have not been like disappointed, but I'd just been like, no, not this guy, no way. Um, and, and I say that because my life was just all about me, all about what I could create, what I could do um, with my life that was given to me, that I just took it and it was all about me. And, um, and so I see these youth and, and the passion that they have and I'm inspired. I was talking to Daniel, our Lakewood youth pastor the other day. This will give you a little bit of context of who I am or who I was. He talked to a young woman who goes to our church recently and she was asking and she said, hey, I heard that uh, Ethan Matata pastor at Jubilee, is that true? And he said, yeah, he's a missions pastor. And her response was, how is he a pastor? <laughs> and I ask myself that often, you're asking yourself that. But the funny thing is she was a few younger, or years younger than me and went to the same high school I did. And so she's looking at this like, of all people that I went to high school with, that guy is a pastor. And that is the grace of God that is him taking somebody who's broken, somebody who's messed up, and using them because they were willing. And that's my testimony. And so I'm up here today, and I'm honored and privileged to get to share this with you. And I can say that um, I am so glad that I chose to follow Jesus. And I believe if you don't, that you will be too. So let's get into the notes. Um, the first thing, the main, maybe most obvious reason you'd think of, and the most important thing that you would think of is eternity. Well, yeah, on the day I die, I'm going to be glad that I followed Jesus. And that may be offensive to you, but here's what I'll say. The Bible is clear, and I know in my heart that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. That while you were broken, while you were full of sin, 
he made a way for you to a perfect God. And you can go search everything else. I've lived that life. I've tried everything else. I've tried to create for myself, tried to ignore that maybe God doesn't even exist. You can look at another religion and they'll all tell you, well then good luck, you better earn your way. Or you come to Jesus Christ who says, I know that you cannot reach perfection on your own and I made a way for you through my blood, through my resurrection, I now give you new life. That's what he offers to you. And I think Pastor John did a great job last week getting us into an eternal mindset, into a perspective, looking at this endless rope that is eternity and realizing that our life here is just this short little start, yet that's where we focus everything. That's all we think about is just here and now. We don't remember a lot of the time that something's gonna happen after all this. I put in your notes uh, the question that um, how often do you consider the reality of life and death? I know for me, I can lose sight of that like that because there's all these things that distract me. And so I, I'm not gonna stay on eternity for all that long, even though um, I think it's so important that we as humans can't fully grasp it. But by saying, Jesus, my life is yours, I'm gonna pursue you, you're given eternity with him. And that, on the day that I die, I can't even put words to how glad I will be that I chose to follow Jesus. And neither will you. So I'm gonna just address that there are people here that don't follow Jesus. And I'm gonna beg of you to consider eternity, to consider life and death. And you guys are like, wow, this was supposed to be like a fun, you'll be glad you did, this guy's pretty heavy handed. We're getting into heaven and hell within the first 10 minutes. But here's what I'm saying to you, don't neglect the reality that this life continues on. Please, please. If you wanna zone me out for the rest of this, that's fine, just sit and go to God. Maybe you've never even talked to him. Maybe you're saying, God, I don't even know if you're there but I gotta think about this. That's what I would ask of you if you're not a follower of Jesus. So for those of you that are followers, most of people that go to church consider themselves followers of Jesus. Um, I'm actually gonna address you for the majority of this message. Um, I wanna challenge you. And so if I ask you the question, are you glad that you follow Jesus? Okay. Um, I think that nobody's gonna be like, no because then you're gonna be looking like, just kidding, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. But I, when I talk to some people, I think there's some honesty in some people saying, I don't know if I'm glad, like I vote Christian, I said a prayer once, I go to church every once in a while, it's a good thing, I don't know if I'm glad, um, I'm not sad about it. Or there might be some people that quite honestly would say, I am in the depth of trials and I don't know where Jesus is, I don't know if I'm glad that I follow him, or I don't know if my life would have been like this had I not decided to follow Jesus, I had a pretty good thing going that I could create. And now Jesus has messed that up and I'm living this totally different life. And so I'm not coming at you this weekend to say, hey, if you're not glad that you follow Jesus, then you're doing it wrong or you're not a true follower. That's not my heart. My heart is to say, if you're following Jesus and you don't feel gladness today that you do, then you are missing out. You are missing out on what he has for you. And I wanna get into that. So um, I thought it'd be interesting because that no-brainer question of like, are you glad you follow Jesus? Yeah, of course. What if you asked some guys from the New Testament? What if you asked Peter, John, and Paul? Peter and John were like Jesus' best friends. And Paul, his crazy story, had this radical conversion and he became a missionary going all over the world sharing the gospel. And what if you asked them, hey, are you guys glad you follow Jesus? I'll give you the answer at the beginning. I think they would all say, resounding yes, absolutely. Of course I'm glad I follow Jesus. Look at what he did for me. 
Look at the eternal life he gave me. I watched him bleed for me. I saw him come and give me new life. But let's go into this interview a little bit because I think it'd be a little interesting. See, if I ask them, okay, tell me about your life before you followed Jesus. Peter and John, they'd be like, well, we were fishermen. Life was pretty normal. We tried to make a living, be good people. Yeah, it was good. And Paul, what about you? Well, actually, it was really good. I had power. I had wealth. I had status, education. I had pretty much anything that I could want. Things were pretty good for me. Okay, so life was good. And then we see in Scripture um, where they literally start following Jesus, and their lives change. And I'm going to, like, talk about a couple different Scriptures today. I'm not going to go through all the verses and everything. I'm connecting points, but I encourage you to go read um, those verses for yourself or the chapters or the whole book and hear these stories if you haven't or remind yourself of them. Uh, and Mark, which was Peter's account of following Jesus, Peter probably couldn't read or write, so he had Mark help him do it. Um, he, he describes it that these guys are fishing, Jesus comes by, and he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They're probably looking at each other like, what did that guy just say to us? What the heck does that mean? But something drew them to him because it says, at once they left their nets and followed him. Can you imagine that? Or John gives us a little context. These guys were hanging out, some of them, with uh, John the Baptist. And Jesus comes walking by and John the Baptist goes, that's the Lamb of God. And two of these guys literally just start walking after him, just start following him. And Jesus turns back like, you're stalking me, why? And they're like, where are you staying? Creepy question. And he's like, follow me, let's go. And then they invite their friends and they all start following Jesus. Um, Paul, on his way persecuting the church, gets knocked off his donkey, blinded, encounters Jesus. Jesus said, you're persecuting me, I'm Jesus and I'm Lord. Now go into the city and start following me. So he does. And if somebody knocked me off of my ride and blinded me, they'd have to be pretty special for me to be like, sure, you seem like a reasonable guy, I'll do what you say. Yeah, definitely, let's go. But he does. Something in Jesus draws these men to him, and they just start following him. And I love that he's not saying, hey, uh, follow me, and I'm going to give you guys mansions. Follow me, and I'm going to make you good people. He invites them immediately into the purpose. He says, you've been creating these little lives for yourself. Now you're jumping into the bigger story. You want to follow me? Now you're going to share my love with the world. These guys have no idea in that moment what they're saying yes to. So then, what if I ask these three guys, okay, what was life like after you started following Jesus. Peter and John are like, where, where do we start? We camped with him. We saw him do these miracles. He fed all these people. He had these amazing sermons. He said all this stuff. We drew up our plans for the kingdom, and then he died. And we were like, maybe we had it wrong. But as only Jesus would, he rose from the dead, and he handed the ministry to us. And he said, go make disciples. Go tell people how glad you are that you followed me. So we went. And we saw the church explode while empires were trying to crush it. It just kept moving. We saw the Holy Spirit working miracles through ordinary, messed up guys like us. And everywhere we went, we got arrested and we got beat up and we got put in prison. And then angels would have to let us out of prison. Peter, he, he got crucified upside down. People tried to boil John alive. Okay, Paul, what about you? Surely you're like, you had a good life. Like things stayed pretty smooth sailing. Yeah, shipwrecks, snake bites. Got beat up everywhere I went. I can relate to that angels getting you out of jail thing pretty well. 
everywhere I went. I had this exhausting journey to this place, to that place, gave everything of me to tell people how glad I was that Jesus knocked me off of a donkey and blinded me. So I put this question in your letters, because I, I, or in your notes, this question about the letters, I think it's interesting. Why did these guys write letters? You see, First and Second Peter, the three Johns, books like Philippians, some of those that, that Paul wrote were letters. And they wrote those ones towards the end of their life. And these guys aren't saying, this was a bad idea. Do not do this. I have scars everywhere. That's not their tone at all. They're, they're actually urging people, follow Jesus, love him, love one another, do what we're doing, join us, be encouraged. Now I'm thinking about if I'm not following Jesus and I get a letter from one of these guys, it's like, hey, do what I'm doing. I'd be like, every time I see you, you have two black eyes, you can barely walk, and you say that you love me. Why would you want me to live that life? And yet they're inviting people into this pursuit of Jesus. On paper, if we're honest, like their lives were a lot easier and more comfortable before. In human terms, that's more of what we tend to prefer, right? And then everything went nuts. And yet at the end of their lives, they're saying how glad they are that they would write letters to other people telling them to follow Jesus. And this is why I think um, they're doing that. And I think that these guys had that eternal mindset to say, hey, we know where we're going. We know what Jesus did for us. We have nothing to worry about. Yeah, this, this is tough. But this is short. I know where I'm headed. And I put some scriptures, and you can read around them, um, that showed me some of their, their gladness at the end of their lives. Like, see, John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. In Third John, that he's saying, man, nothing gives me more joy than knowing the people I love are doing the same thing at the risk of their own lives, that they're following Jesus. He says that, uh, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. And if I'm his friend, I'm like, what love, man? Your life is insane. And he's saying, I'm filled with this love. See what great love Jesus has given me? Or Peter, and I think this points to that eternal perspective. In this passage, in this book, he talks about the suffering that's happening, people trying to stop the church, people that don't want Jesus to keep on being alive, even though he somehow is. And Peter says, we're looking forward. We're looking ahead. We've got our eyes on eternity, and there's people on the way there. And there's trials, and there's great days, but we're looking forward. Or Paul. Paul had everything. And he says, I consider it all loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And what these guys had, and I, I put it as the third thing in your notes, was the deeper things. That's what I called it. And this is the one scripture I should have put in your notes that I didn't, but in 2 Corinthians, um, Paul says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that's the things that these guys had their eyes on. That's what was filling them up. That's what gave them the ability to say, I'm so glad that I follow Jesus, was these deeper, deeper things. And I know that um, because when, when you read the beginning of their letters, they always start with grace and peace to you. Grace, peace, and mercy to you. Grace and peace to you. Grace, peace, and mercy to you. They don't say wealth to you, comfort to you, safety to you. They say grace and peace to you. Deeper things, unseen, eternal things is what these guys were wishing for other people. And it's what filled them up and gave them the ability to live through what they did and say, I'm glad I followed Jesus. And I put some in your notes. Peace, perspective, 
relationship, trust. DJ pointed out, man, something that's just truly worthy of my worship, because we worship all the time. Football teams, celebrities, whatever it is, we worship stuff with our lives. But man, for me to be able to say, you are what this is all about. You are worthy of my worship. That's something deeper that God gives us. Justin Bieber, here's me relating to the youth. Check this out. Justin Bieber's new album is called Purpose. And he's walking with Jesus. He's, he's pursuing him and he's saying, God has given me purpose. He's not saying God has given me so much wealth for my age, good looking girlfriends, CDs, whatever it is. Justin Bieber is saying, God has given me purpose, a deeper thing than those seen things that he probably thought when he set out to get famous, that those were gonna be what it's all about. And look what he's already come to. The deeper things, a hope that gave these guys, like Paul in one point in Philippians, he's just like, it would be nice if I could die. If I was paraphrasing what he says, he's saying, I long to depart. He's like, wouldn't that be sweet if I could just go be with Jesus? But it's good for me to be here right now because other people are coming to know him through my life. Like these guys, when you have that mindset, you cannot lose. And that's what they lived with, was like, what are you gonna do to me? I know what Jesus did for me. I know that he saved me. You can't stop us. I've got peace that goes beyond this moment. I've got a perspective to know what heaven there is that awaits me. I have trust in Jesus Christ who I watched lay down his life for me. I worship a God who would die so that I could be with him. So I think I'm gonna be all right. That's what these guys had. And I would funnel all of these deeper things into the word love. Because in the Bible it says the greatest is love. And that's probably the hardest um, thing for me to define or put into words. And I wrote in your notes, you get to live a life, you get a life lived out of love. And what I mean by that is you get the love of Jesus that fills you and that flows out of you. And here's why that matters. It says at the very beginning that God created man in his own image. It says later in the Bible that uh, God has written eternity on the hearts of men. And I've heard people say like, you have a God-sized hole in your heart and God is the only thing that'll fill that. And that's true. The way I think of it is eating, because that's what I love to do. And I know that because I am marked eternal, that I have a life that goes beyond this world, I have an appetite that is eternal. I have a craving, and we all have it. You hear people say stuff like, I don't know, I just feel like there's something more out there for me, or I'm just not feeling all that fulfilled in my life. We see celebrities that get everything, and then they're like, this is it? We have eternal appetites, but all we try to do is fill them up with temporary things, the seen things. And I, I can say that to those of you that are right now pursuing those things, because I live that life. I tried to fill an eternal appetite with everything seen and everything temporary that I could and came back like, this didn't work. I'm still hungry. Hundreds of things, everything, and I'm still hungry. Why? Because you have an eternal appetite and one thing can fill that. It's Jesus. The eternal love of Jesus, a love that created and when we messed it up, a love that died so that we could return to what God had intended for us. That's the kind of love that fills you up eternally. And that's what was flowing in and out of these guys. That's what we're offered. And that's what I want for you. And I know it's kind of hard, um, you know, to define, like, do I love Jesus? I remember the night um, that I decided to follow Jesus for real. 
as a kid, I, my brother got me to pray that prayer a couple of times. He was worried about me, but um, <laughs> he's, he's someday still is. But uh, I was standing at a bonfire in Cuba. Nothing about that made sense. Um, and I had this burning desire, something just telling me, say yes. Say yes to following Jesus. And I had been all over trying to fill up this eternal appetite. And I'm like, seriously, like, that's the answer, really. Like, but I had these questions of, why, how would God use me? Why would God want me to follow him? I've done nothing for him. I've done nothing to help his cause. I haven't lived a life for him. What, what's he going to do with me? God doesn't want me. I've screwed up everything. Let alone, I don't know if I love God the Bible says I'm supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. I don't know if I do that right now. And Jesus gives us some gauges for those things like, hey, if you're loving me, you're loving the people around you. Or if you're loving me, you're obeying my commands. And when you hear obey my commands, you're like, oh, the Ten Commandments, here come those rules again. No, what Jesus is saying is I'm laying out for you what full life is. Follow those things because I know what's better for you. I know that this may sound good, but I know that it's not. Want to know why? Because I'm God because I lived the fullest life as a man to show you how to live. And so I was thinking through those things and, and I was trying to think of a way to define like how I know I love Jesus to you because I think it goes farther than saying I'm glad that I follow Jesus to say that I'm glad I love Jesus. And that's what I want for every single one of you is to feel that gladness that you love Jesus. And so when uh, I would use the comparison of the relationship I have with my wife, when we first started dating, um, Actually, before we started dating, I kind of just followed her, which relates to this, which is funny. Like, I met her, and then I was just, like, trying to be where she was and see if she would notice me. And she's like, I don't see anything over there. Okay. Um, but after a while, after a while, she did somehow, by the grace of God, notice me. So um, we started going on dates. We started getting to know each other. I saw things in her that I was, like, amazed by. We, we realized we're both pursuing Jesus. These things line up. And about six weeks into dating, I had to leave on a trip to Asia. So after two weeks away, I'm like, I want to go see my girlfriend. That's all I want to do right now. And Jonathan and I were coming back from Cambodia. And the next day, my buddy was getting married. Stephanie was going to pick me up from the airport. I was going to put a suit on, go introduce her to my friends as my girlfriend. My friends were going to be like you're dating him for real. How? What do you know that we don't? And uh, so I was so excited. And we get to Tokyo for our flight from Tokyo to Denver. And we find out that our flight has been delayed by a lot. Like, I'm going to miss the wedding amount of time. And I'm like, no, this is not happening. This is not happening. So I go find this United lady. She makes me an illegal reservation, puts me right on a plane to Seattle through the night, and it's illegal because I only had 45 minutes in between flights to clear customs and all those different things, run through the airport, and get on a plane to Denver to make it in time. And she somehow, I mean, she was awesome. If you ever hear this, thank you. <laughs> so I fly through the night. I get to Seattle. The flight attendants are like, okay, let this guy off first. And I'm running through the airport, like trying as hard as I can to just find this. There's like eight different trains in Seattle. It's the dumbest airport ever. And... <laughs> I, I'm running up the stairs, I see my gate, and I like point to the lady, and she's like, are you Ethan? And I'm like, yeah, she's like, you're one minute late. I closed the gate. 
And I was like, well, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill this lady. <laughs> no, I did not. I did not. I thought about strangling her, and I didn't. God can do amazing things. Um, so I'm there, and I'm like pacing around. That's all I knew to do. I'm just like, um, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. And in that moment, I felt such desperation. And the funny thing was, I just get on another plane in a couple hours. I was still going to see her the same day. But all I wanted was to be where she was. That's all I wanted. And I say that, that I can compare that to my relationship with Jesus because when it started, I like started reading the New Testament and things that he said that I was like, I always judged Jesus and I didn't know this was how he was. Maybe I should have given him a chance. And then I was like, it'd be in worship and be like feeling these deeper things that I couldn't describe. And over time, these times with him, I started to think, man, I just want to be wherever he is. Because wherever he is is where my life is full, is where my eternal appetite is getting filled up. I'm not hungry when I'm with the bread of life, when I'm with living water that causes me to not thirst again. I want to be where he is. I love him. And that's the best part about all this. You follow Jesus, you get him. You get his love. Fills you up, flows out of you. And I know for some of you, you're like, that's good and well for you, man. Like, I'm not experiencing that. I don't get it. And I can't fully put that into words for you but you gotta open yourself up and give him a chance to show it to you. And so I thought this would be a cool way to end this um, because I know there's people that are sitting here like, oh, I don't feel glad, I want those deeper things. I prayed a prayer a while ago, I go to church, but I don't have gladness that I follow Jesus. There's people right now saying like, this does not make sense, but I feel like I'm at that bonfire in Cuba right now, like I should follow him. I thought about myself that night and what would I say to myself that night seven years later? Knowing what I know now, seeing what Jesus has done to use this guy for his kingdom, the things that he's done for me, what would I have said to myself? So I wrote a letter the other night to Ethan Matat, December 31st, 2008. I'll read it to you and then we'll close this out. I said, in this moment, you have no idea what you are saying yes to. Your decision to follow Jesus is a mix of nervous emotion, worry that you aren't good enough, and fear that you will have to change into a sissy Christian boy, all of which are overpowered by a burning desire to give your life back to the one who first ever gave it to you. It does not make sense in this moment. You will not fully comprehend it all in this life. You will always have questions, but you know it's your day. Your appointment with Jesus has come. Be aware that this will not be easy. If it were, you wouldn't get to truly taste the heights and depths of life and the goodness of God in all of it. And you wouldn't be able to show others what abundant life really means if it was all easy. There will be amazing moments of true fun and happiness without a care of this world. Even more amazing will be those moments when life is full while circumstances are painful. You will sit alone in tears at realities of the world you do not yet know. God will allow you to be broken. He will show you pain and suffering so you will step into a life bigger than yourself. And believe it or not, you will be grateful for it and better. You will have to let go of the life that you so tightly hold. The temporary selfish decisions and desire to be God of your own life will be crucified and you will fail and you will feel convicted in ways that you won't like. You will wander and feel so close to defeat because of how broken you are 
and then your brokenness will be put on display so that God's grace might be known. You will find yourself far away from comfort, family, and home. You will walk into places dark with hell, unsure if you can let heaven's light shine. You will wake up in the middle of natural disasters, ride on dangerous trains, planes, and boats, face foreign sicknesses, and pray prayers just to make it through the night. And even scarier, you will face the temptation to be comfortable, self-absorbed, and apathetic. You will lose people close to you and wrestle with God. Always remember you are not the judge and his ways are beyond your understanding. Do not spend your life trying to understand him. Spend it getting to know him. Tonight you are laying down the life that you could create. Tonight you start putting yourself in the ground and in exchange, you are picking up real life. You know deep down that the life you've made for yourself is a poor imitation of what you were meant for. If you are honest right now, you don't feel like a man with direction or purpose, you feel lost. But today, you are found. You will find depth in friendships you have not yet known. You will meet people, go places, and encounter stories you can't yet imagine. You will see miracles you do not yet believe possible. You will see tangible blessings in your life that come so undeserved that you will shake your head at how good God is to you. And when seen tangible things are easy to start taking for granted, the unseen intangibles will truly be where you find gladness. You will truly taste grace. Weight will lift off of your shoulders and you will know a life of freedom. You will live under a banner of peace that has never entered your life before now. Some days you might even start to be amazed that you seem to be a pretty good person. And then God will give you big doses of humility and you will actually enjoy them. You will live the rest of your life aware that you are saved by the King of Kings who shed blood for you, conquered death itself, and rose to breathe new life into every fiber of your being. And when you wonder of your worth or what love truly is, check his scars. Joy will abound on dark days. Love from another realm will fill you and flow out of you. Your life truly will not make sense in the best possible way. You see, today you are saying yes to life itself. You're not simply raising your hand or praying a prayer. You are being redeemed. You are reconciled. Your life will forever be filled more and more with the love of the truth. And one day you will go to forever be with the holy God, the author of life. Before you go, step onto the battlefield while wars wage for the people around you. You now get to fight for others to say yes. Do not fear because your savior is ahead of you. He has already won this battle that you now stand in. Above the tangibles, the stories, the moments, the people, the places, and the deeper things, you get to know him. You get a life lived with the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God. Jesus is here now in your life. You get him. Follow him. Follow him every day. Follow him all the way home. For those of you that are followers of Jesus today and you don't feel that gladness, take advantage right now of time to connect with God, to get filled up by him, to realize your eternal appetite and to know that his love is what you need. Maybe you lost sight of that. And we're gonna close the service out like the youth do it. And I'm not trying to knock anybody or call anybody out. I've been guilty of this too. But when I go down to a youth service, when a sermon ends, all they wanna do is respond. Those guys sit in worship, they pray, they pray with other people, they go talk to somebody, they wanna respond. They want more of Jesus. They wanna pursue those deeper things and they wanna grab hold of them.
And I think as we get older and I've seen it, it's like, oh, the sermon's over. Let's beat traffic. Let's get out of here. And I'm going to ask you to stay and use this time. And I'm not saying you're a bad person if you had to leave early from church. I'm saying you're missing out. You're missing out on a chance to connect with God. All the time we're like, God, fill me up. I don't feel full. Are you looking for him? Are you giving him a chance to? So do that right now. I know for me that one of the ways that I, when I start to wonder, like, am I loving Jesus in my life? Where I'm reinvigorated with his love is when I see somebody else stand up to follow Jesus. And when kids do this in youth group, it's like a party. Kids are like hugging them, tackling them, and the kid's kind of like, okay, I didn't know this was part of the deal. Um, but it's, it's a celebration. And when I see somebody stand up to follow Jesus, I think about, man, that eternity has been changed. But not just that someday that person's gonna die and go to heaven and be with Jesus. It's that, man, today that person gets Jesus in their life. They've been searching everywhere for something to fill them up, and now they know. Now they get it. Now they get to start pursuing him. I'm glad that I follow Jesus. I'm glad that I made that decision. I'm glad that I love Jesus. I'm glad that my brother follows Jesus. I'm glad that my wife follows Jesus, my parents, man. And I want my friends, I want you to experience that. So I'm gonna ask you to be bold like a youth. And if you're somebody who wants to follow Jesus to stand up and pray with me at any of our campuses, or if you're at home in your living room or you're walking in the gym, if you're somebody that wants to follow Jesus, maybe for the first time, if you've just said, man, I've been looking for everything else and I wanna follow Jesus. And I'm gonna ask you to pray with me and it's not because I'm up here saying this prayer that it happens, it's that you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that you want him, that you're gonna follow him. And so I'm gonna pray this prayer and, and just put it in your own words, talk to him. And then I'm gonna ask you to respond. There's gonna be worship, some of our pastors and people, some of our youth, whoever, if you can jump up and if you want to pray with somebody, if you need encouragement to say, I want that gladness back, or if you're saying, I just decided to follow Jesus, what the heck? We're not in this alone. We can ask questions, we can pray together, we can do this together. So be encouraged, pray with somebody, worship, respond. That's what I'm asking. So Jesus, for those people that are saying yes to follow you, for the first time and pray this prayer that Jesus, I thank you that you shed your blood for me. I thank you that you rose to give me new life and I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord, that you are God, that I get you, that I want you. I want your love to fill me up. I want strength to pursue you and to follow you every day of my life pray that your love would fill me to overflow into the lives of the people around me. I'm saying yes to you today, Jesus, and I thank you that you love me so much that you came for me and my sin and my brokenness. Forgive me for all of that. Lord, put your grace over me and breathe new life into me now. And Jesus, I thank you so much that you invite us to follow you, to pursue you, that we get you, that we get to love you. I pray that you would breathe new life into every follower to be disciples, to be people that love you, to not miss out, to have the deeper things, 
a mindset of knowing where we're going and knowing that the people around us don't maybe know those deeper things and don't have your love. So Father, would you speak to every individual on how they can get filled up? Would you fill them up? Would you speak to them where they're at? In Jesus' name, amen.